Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are staying focused on keeping you guys thinking big. That is our goal. Uh, we started the year that way. We we're going to stay focused on that. So don't diminish the goal. Increase the effort. And today, Julie actually has a great presentation, um, something she spent a lot of time researching that she's looking forward to sharing with all of you. Before, first of all, Julie, welcome to today's podcast, Thank as you. always. Great. Yes, thank you. Second of all, um, a quick reminder, all of you who have not received your free coaching call yet, of course, you're entitled to one. Go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And by requesting a free coaching call, not only are you going to have a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches, but you're also going to receive, I think it's seven uh, digital books. The one I want you to have completed by now, frankly, is the Real Estate Treasure Map. So make sure you get that done. And inside the Real Estate Treasure Map, it will take you through all the steps of your in-depth goal planning. Um, and remember, guys, a goal is a dream with an action plan. And that's something that a lot of you fall uh, short on when you're setting goals. You write a goal down, but you don't have an action plan. And that's the reason the Treasure Map is so invaluable to all of you. So go to Real Estate – I'm sorry, go to FreeCoachingCallsForAgents.com. All right, Julie. Yes, before we get to that, just a quick shout-out to one of our newest coaching members, Monica Bryant-Nicely, who lives in Roanoke, Virginia, and says, just joined Premier Coaching, so happy to be here. Not sure why it was so hard to get myself doing it, but I'm glad I did. So a special welcome to Monica. And there's several other, of course, uh, new Premier Coaching members on the private Facebook page, where also you will find Rich Tirado finished his beautiful-looking pre-listing package and is showing how all that's laid out, ready to rumble. Now, Rich, you just have to get those out there and use them. So just a couple of quick little shout-outs there to folks. And let's see. Let me get over to the right section of my notes. All right, so remember, we're not diminishing the goal this year. We are simply increasing the effort. This is our ongoing theme. And so this week I'm going to bring you several different stories of that example of not giving up. So here's an illustration and a shout-out to all of our Hawaii listeners. I think they'll appreciate this. We just had a great speaking event out there. So Hawaii was discovered, quote, discovered. I mean, it was always out there. But it was discovered way back in A.D. 1000. Yes, we know about uh, Captain Cook and the kind of um, you know, European version of it. But before him in A.D. 1000, and it's impossible to know exactly when, but a long time ago, it was discovered by a group of Polynesians who were already natives to the South Pacific. Well, when we went to Hawaii for a visit to Elite Pacific, we were amazed, I, I know I was, I think you were too, but we were amazed by how completely remote Hawaii actually is. If you look at it on a map, you'll wonder, like I did, how did anybody ever even come across it? It's like in the middle of nowhere, okay? So how did it happen? How did anyone think to even look for the islands? Well, the Polynesians noticed a bird called the golden plover. The bird migrated out into the northern waters every year. They couldn't just be going out to sea. They had to be going somewhere. 
So the Polynesian explorers decided to sail out from the Marquesas Islands and follow those birds. Well, the Marquesas are as close as any island is to Hawaii, but get this, close in the Pacific is kind of like close in Texas, only worse. It's 2,600 miles. That's the closest to Hawaii, 2,600 miles. So even today, it takes a month to sail from Hawaii to the Marquesas, and that's with navigation, modern equipment, faster ships. The Polynesians were using canoes. So imagine if you went exploring the Pacific with those carved boats and primitive technology. Would you have even left dry land <laughs> if you knew what was out there? I didn't even want to get on the planet LAX to Honolulu, right? And that takes what? I think it took us about six hours. Imagine if you were in a canoe in the Pacific following a bird because you figured there might be an island out there. Remember, it's about not giving up. So these Polynesians followed the birds, but the birds were faster than they could row, which also tells you how slow their boats were, right? So there was a lot of faith involved. Many times they had to turn back, but every year they would try again and push past where they'd left off in the previous year. They kept on rowing and rowing, turning back, starting over, following the birds and upgrading their knowledge, technology, ability per to persevere. It took 400 years and they finally reached Hawaii. They never gave up in spite of uncertainty and doubt, setbacks, and frustration. So here's your motivation check. What does it take for you to get frustrated and give up? Is it like a third phone call, or do you get back in the ship? Are you willing to believe enough in your goals to keep at them, to persevere, to upgrade everything in pursuit of what's most important? So who or what are the birds which you are following? Are they flying in the direction of your goals? Do they follow a definite path? thinking about those of you who have the treasure map but maybe aren't done are not actually finished with it that's your path that's why we call it the treasure map what obstacles have to must you overcome this year to get to your hawaii are those obstacles as challenging as 2500 miles of open water in the pacific or are they manageable so that's my hawaii story and of course we like to make it practical and tactical not just an interesting story about hawaii but back to our theme, never give up. So the following points are a compilation of personal uh, data collection from hundreds of thousands of coaching calls, research by other sales trainers like Jeb Blunt and some of the things we've read that he's done with fanatical prospecting, and NAR reports. So don't give up, don't diminish the goal, just increase the effort. So I wrote down some interesting points. If you're ready, Tim, I need to take a little sip of my tea. No, <coughs> back to you for a second. Tea. Not coffee, yeah. you wimp. No, it's because I can put honey in tea. You can put honey in coffee, too. I'm going to try that. Let's get the caffeine and the sugar. So uh, point number one, only 23.9% of sales emails. Some of you guys will say to your coaches, well, I sent them an email. Okay. Only 23.9% of sales emails are ever even opened. The average person deletes 48% of the emails they receive every day. And that takes them about five minutes to do. So email doesn't count as effort. Remember, we're talking about increasing the effort. Point number two, an analysis of more than 2,200 American companies found that those who attempted to reach leads within one hour, think urgency here, were seven times likelier to have meaningful conversations with decision makers than those who waited even 60 minutes. You would think that if you followed up within that first hour that that would be urgent enough, but no. Look at that stat. With uh, those who attempted to reach leads in less than an hour are seven times likelier to have meaningful conversations. 
Some of you guys right now are sitting on open house leads that you had over the weekend. And it's already been, what, 24, 48 hours since you saw them. Point number three, it takes an average, average of eight attempts just to reach a prospect in the first place. You know, I had a coaching call with, um, actually this came out in several conversations today, about agents feeling like they're stalking their leads, you know, after like the third call. And I always remind them, NAR says uh, eight to 12 attempts, uh, but it's at least eight attempts just to reach somebody. So if you're giving up on the third call because it makes you uncomfortable, probably it wasn't a problem with the lead. It was a problem with your lead follow-up. Would you agree with that, Tim? They give up too soon? Well, exactly. But the thing that you know, you and I always try to preach, and uh, we do it in our own sales team, we do it just across the board, is something we call furiously fast lead follow-up. And I, this is a there's been so many studies and so much research. You, you're this, the point you made was you know as as best as it could be made, but I'll give you guys a more maybe a practical way of thinking of this. How is it that brand new agents are able to get sales away from grizzled veterans? How is it that a brand new agent can start you know working buyer leads out of an open house or all these other things? I mean, on the surface, why would anyone work with them, right? But here's the reality of it. Brand new agents are eager, motivated. They're uh, you know, optimistic. They have energy and enthusiasm that agents who are maybe more grizzled don't have or you know, had but lost or had but you know, maybe misplaced, that kind of thing. The reality of it is, is that owners of homes and even buyers, generally speaking, are going to work with the first agent they come in contact with. There's been so many studies that have proven this fact to be true. I'm going to say that again because it's really incredible. And those of you who are new agents out there, I think you should uh, rejoice this fact. But most people, buyers and sellers, will work with the first agent they come in contact with. But let's define what contact means because this is where so many of you guys are screwing it up. A contact is a phone conversation. It's not an email. It's not a text. It's not you basically throwing them in your CRM and dripping on them. It's a phone conversation. And uh, I'll even drive this down and make this point even more salient. We have studied, and other people have studied, technology companies, NAR, just you name the entity, and they've all concluded what I'm about to tell you is the path that most buyers take when purchasing homes. They mostly start online, like you know, pretty much all of them, and then from there, they focus in and drill down on a particular city, maybe a particular neighborhood, maybe a particular part of the neighborhood. They do a lot of the research online. So being um, available to you know, essentially deep dive into real estate statistics online actually ultimately saves agents a lot of work because, age, or because most buyers do it themselves. But then what happens is the buyers will drive through the neighborhoods and they'll call off signs. That's what they do. That's the pattern. That's the reason that listing agents will always have an unfair advantage in the marketplace, only if they return their phone calls, only if they're using a great service like 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE to make sure they capture all the buyer uh, sign leads. 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. You guys need to write that down. It's like 35 bucks a month, and it's just an amazing tool to make it so that you can capture the leads, the buyers that are calling off signs. Follow the instructions to 800 Home Hotline so you get all the leads. And it's $34 a month or $35 a month. That's the flat fee. There's no additional charge. So if you guys want to know how to have a ton of buyer leads for free, I just told you. Get a, maybe you don't have a listing. Ask a listing agent in your marketplace if you can put the sign writer on their sign. Chances are they won't care. So you can then peel off all those best buyer leads because the best buyer leads drive the neighborhoods. The best buyer leads go to open houses. You have to know how to ask questions at an open house. And I'll give you another little tip here that will hopefully encourage and motivate a lot of you. 
um, you have an incredible opportunity depending on, for example, the price range of the house that you're holding open to get listings because if you're holding a move-up type price range house, chances are that uh, buyer is actually also a seller. But you won't know it unless you follow up and you ask the right questions. You see how this always goes back to the skill of knowing how to ask the right questions? You guys see how this always works? It always goes back to furiously fast lead follow-up and knowing how to have conversations. Nobody likes to hear the word scripts. That's the reason we call them dialogues. But really all a script or a dialogue is is a conversation outline that you're supposed to internalize and then personalize. That's what we want you doing with our dialogues, our scripts, and that's really the best way for you to go about feeling comfortable saying somebody else's words, i.e. a script, and you know, get the result that you want to get. So remember what we're telling you here. The way you win this war, ultimately, the way you win in real estate or anything in life is furiously fast lead follow-up on the phone talking to somebody and when you're talking with them knowing what to say and how to say it in the order and you know asking questions and having a conversation that leads to the desired result you getting a pre-qualified buyer if it's a seller finding out their motivation and setting the listing appointment this is what coaching is all about this is what all of you need and you know it go to free coaching calls for agents.com free coaching calls for agents.com julie yes and you know we talk a lot about scripts and agents use that Oftentimes, as their excuse du jour, that, you know, I don't want to sound too scripted, but you make a good point. All a script is is an organized conversation that leads you to be able to close. That's it. You're trying to pull out time frame. You're trying to pull out motivation so that you can be of service. So when you wrap your head around it that way, it becomes less intimidating. And I think it's probably 90% just, you know, creative excuse making because it's really not that big of a deal. Be yourself talking about real estate but, but Julie, with a decision-making worth, adult is a good question. It is worth a very, very, you know, very, very brief drill down on why uh, yeah. people abhor scripts. And the reason is, is because scripts are um, – the words in a script will uh, make all the difference in the world as to whether or not you're able to be effective selling real estate. There's no such thing as a professional that doesn't follow a script. And I, would, I want you guys really just to accept that. Every single professional on the face of the earth, whether they're reading from a teleprompter or they're just saying the same thing they said a billion times, a doctor or whatnot, all they're really doing is using scripts, somebody else's words. But what they did is they personalized it, and then they made it so that what they were saying sounded appropriate for the particular market that they were in. What happens to a lot of you guys is you guys uh, follow these uh, trainers sometimes or these supposed coaches. And they'll say, read it exactly the way I said it. Well, guess what? It was written back in the 80s, and it was written by somebody in California, and people in New York City are not are, – it just doesn't even sound right. So no wonder you don't want to use the, some of these scripts or these you know, outlines and conversational patterns that you guys are being uh, forced to use. is because it's – you know intuitively it's the wrong thing to say to the people you'll be saying it to. So – if you felt like, okay, I didn't do well because I was following a, a, you know, a training program, and they told me to do it this exact way, they told me never to change even a syllable of any of the words and whatnot, and because I know intuitively that it wouldn't work in, say, New York City or Miami or you know, Texas, I knew that t- pattern of speech would not work in these particular markets. I didn't say it. And then you think somehow you're the failure. You weren't the failure. It's the failure of the program to not be more sensitive to the fact that you guys are smart enough to know already what will work and what won't work in your marketplace. But understand, we want you to 
Ultimately, we want you to internalize our scripts, our conversational outlines, and we want you to personalize them. That's really the way you become effective. And then they become your own, and then over the years you forget where you originally heard you know, the script. You don't even remember that you heard it from Tim and Julie. It just is so innate inside of you. That's where all of you have to go. And here's the thing that will make you feel good, I think, for most of you, focusing on sellers here. When you're working with sellers, well, buyers too, but when you're working with sellers, because that's really what we focus on, you're going to find that you're saying the same thing, the exact same thing over and over and over again. There's really only probably realistically maybe 20 to 25 different you know, conversational outlines that you have to have internalized when dealing with sellers at any level, whether it's generating the lead, pre-qualifying the lead, getting a price change, you know, overcoming objections. It's the same set of conversations. It's the pre-listing conversation. It's the listing appointment conversation. It's the negotiating conversation. All these things you're going to be saying over and over and over again you don't it'll you will waste countless hours trying to figure out what to say and when to say it it'd be sort of like think about it if all of a sudden you became a doctor and you would just put on the white coat now all of a sudden because you have this white coat on in your case it's a real estate license people are assuming you're going to know what to say and how to say it and what order in which to say it right but you don't nobody tells you that's the reason you have to follow an organized approach and that's what premier coaching is so julie get to the next point Yes, so often agents will ask, when is the best time to prospect with their calls, their lead follow-up? When is the best time to call? Well, and I obnoxiously often will answer, when you can make yourself do it, but especially with urgency. But beyond that, it has been shown that the best time to call is between 4 and 5 p.m. and between 1 and 3 on weekdays. So, uh, I'm sorry, it should say between 1 and one and three on weekdays and four and five p.m. every day. But Saturday mornings before noon are very fruitful to find the unobtainium. Sometimes you guys are so set because somebody told you you've got a prospect between nine and eleven, or you suck. Okay, so you keep on pounding the same phone number between nine and eleven every weekday, and they're never there. And you keep leaving messages, but they don't call you back. Probably they are at work. Try a weekday evening. Try a Saturday morning. Take good notes and find them. Okay, so yes, we do probably trust you more than some other organizations to actually think this stuff through and be logical about it. Now, point number five, after a presentation, 63% of attendees remember stories. Only 5% remember statistics. So using stories also removes the ego and builds rapport. That's just a presentation upgrade. Remember, we're not diminishing the goal, we're increasing the effort. So add some stories, and I find particularly when it's something that maybe that seller doesn't want to do, like a price reduction. We use stories a lot um, in the recession with short sale conversations where you make it not about that person. You tell them a story about someone else. I'm concerned. Can I tell you why? Well, your neighbor two streets away also wanted to start out a little bit high and see what happened and maybe get somebody to negotiate. But as you can see, they just expired. They've been on the market for 90 days, and I'm concerned because that plan didn't work out for them. They're going to remember that story versus just blasting them with statistics. So upgrade your presentation to include stories, and you'll start with your own compilation of stories to put together that will be effective for you. So I think that point number six is pretty interesting. This is from NAR. According to uh, National Association of Realtors, two-thirds of recent buyers only, of buyers only interviewed one agent before they found the agent they worked with. 42% of buyers found their agent through a referral from a friend or family member. 12% used an agent they had, they had used before. 
39% of sellers found their agent through a family or friend referral, while 25% used an agent they had worked with previously. Okay? Here's some important numbers. Only 9% of buyers and 4% of sellers found their agent online. Are you actively working your database or are you passively expecting them to find you? Upgrade your past client center of influence outreach. Okay? Remember, 42% of buyers found their agent through a referral from a friend or family member and 39% of sellers found their agent through a friend or family member. When you look at the agent next to you in your office and you go, how in the world did they get that super sweet listing? Probably they didn't door knock it. Probably it wasn't a just listed or just sold. Probably because somebody knew them or a friend or family member referred them. Is that going to be you this year? Or are you going to just wait for past clients? You know, they'll, they'll call me when they're ready. We hear that too much in coaching. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? No, not really. I mean, you know, the, this is, guys, we've been telling you for the last couple of years that the market was going to move away from a market that was relationship-based to one that was skills-based. That's what we've been preparing you for. We're not saying to give up your relationships, obviously. That would, be a, that would be a silly mistake. But we are telling you that your relationships aren't just going to list with you. Your centers of influence aren't just going to list with you just because. I mean, if they know that this is, it's a hot seller's market and things pretty much sell themselves, they're not going to really be that particular about who they list with. And matter of fact, that's the reason that so many of these sort of discount companies are able to creep up every time there's a hot seller's market because sellers know their house will sell itself regardless of who has it listed. I know I'm making some statements that make some agents mad, but the, regard, the, the fact is in a truly hot seller's market where there's you know three buyers for every one listing, you could list it with pretty much anybody and sellers know it. And that's, again, that's the reason you see the, the, all these new discounters they go out of business as soon as the market changes because what happens is the sellers start becoming really, really picky. They're not just going to list with someone because they have the, less, the lowest commission because they're not confident that that brokerage or that agent's going to be able to get the house sold. So I know it's counterintuitive. A lot of you will think, well, if I offer a discount uh, service in a uh, buyer's market where sellers are worried about their net, that will give me an unfair advantage. And it does in a way if you're competing against other agents that are you know, only at 55 or 6% commission and you're at some lower amount if – the seller is convinced that you can actually get the house sold. And that's the reason, again, you'll see agents actually able to raise commission in markets where it becomes a distinct buyer's market, or what we call a phase three market, because of the fact that the sellers are going to be more sensitive and more tuned into the fact that their house is not guaranteed to sell, so they're going to list with whoever essentially they feel most confident can get it sold, which means that might be the agent that charges the most commission. So don't get all stuck on all these little details, guys. This is the reason that why we tell you uh, when you follow our coaching program, use the pre-listing pack. It does most of the heavy lifting for you prior to going on the listing appointment, and it covers all the commission objections. It covers pretty much every single possible scenario that you might find yourself in at a, at a listing appointment. In other words, you don't have to live in fear anymore of some seller asking you some question like, why would I list with you? Or what are you going to do to get my house sold? Or how long have you been in the business? Or how many houses like mine have you sold in the past 12 months? Or all these other questions that you hardly ever get, by the way, like never get. But if you do get it, the pre-listing pack has already got you covered, and that's part of our coaching program. Julie? Yes. So uh, a bunch of researchers who we know, you, you and I talk about this because we read these reports sometimes, it's a secret shopper program. But I don't think our listeners always know that this is happening to them. Researchers pose sometimes as consumers and inquire about listings 
<coughs> excuse me, listings on broker sites like Zillow.com, Realtor.com, Trulia.com, online resources, right? So they, they pose as if they are real buyers. Here's what the research showed. This is always shocking. 48% of buyer inquiries, so almost 50%, were never responded to. Nothing. No response. The average number of callback attempts for people who did call was only one and a half. They didn't even get to the second call on average. The average number of email contacts was two, slightly better. The average response time for those that did bother to respond was 917 minutes. That's 15 and a half hours later, basically a day and a half in the life of somebody trying to get information about real estate. That's really embarrassing. Hopefully none of our listeners are falling into those statistics, but probably some of them are. So upgrade how you're operating. Be there when people want their questions answered, and you're far more likely to actually get the business, uh, which point number eight uh, illustrates urgency matters. Another study conducted, these are not like realtor studies. These are people who are studying human behavior. Professor James Aldright at MIT, for example, did a study that says your odds of reaching a lead if you call them within five minutes of their reaching out compared to waiting 30 minutes is 100 times. Okay? Yes, five minutes, that sounds pretty extreme, doesn't it? But don't you want to answer their questions when they're asking that question? I think I can probably get through the next two points. Point number nine, set and track your goals, your expectations, and your ratios. If you are cold calling just listed and just sold, your ratios are going to be terrible. There's no reason to believe those people have a house to buy or sell. But when instead you call on your active leads from open houses, probate, referrals, of course your ratios will be much better. For sale by owners, which we lovingly call unrepresented sellers, because that's what they are, and expireds have the best ratios since you know that they need you. And our final point, monitor your, this is a word that we have made up in coaching, but it's real, stick to itiveness. Monitor how much you stick to it. How fast do you give up? Is it as quickly as when you saw the bird disappear if you were looking to Hawaii? Or do you keep on rowing, believing in your ability to reach your goals? How fast do you give up? I guarantee you, whatever you're going after, the obstacles in the way, pale in comparison to miles and miles of ocean and following a little bird, right, to find Hawaii. It doesn't even compare. You've got to keep things in perspective, right? I mean, real estate, what is it you always say? It's, it's the greatest gift, assuming that you actually work it. It's licensed to print money for yourself, for your family. But you've got to figure out how to help enough people to get yourself there. And I'm going to toss it to you, Tim, so that I can get over to Premier Coaching. Yes, indeed, and thank you for the great notes, Julie. So listen, guys, here it is. We're, you know, it's the beginning of the year again. Uh, some of you are – we watch the podcast listens increase every year this time of year. You know, it picks up by thousands every single day. You guys tune in again. You open our emails again. You start focusing on real estate again. And then you look out the window again. There's nine inches of snow. And you say, oh, screw it, maybe next week. This is how you end up ruining the first quarter if you keep on procrastinating, doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. The year has already started. All right, we have agents right now who literally have – I've got one guy who's got over $50 million closed and pending, and we're not even halfway through January yet. I want you to think about that. He, by the way, was essentially a new, coach, or a new coaching client and a newish agent four or five years ago, and now he's going to become one of the top agents in the country. And how does he able, What did he do to make that happen? He had already mentally started his 2019 at the end of third quarter of 2018. 
So a lot of you didn't. So you're going to have to now play catch-up, which means that you're going to have to hustle twice as hard. That is the theme of the calls – I'm sorry, the shows we've been doing, and frankly a lot of our coaching calls too, is don't decrease the goal, increase the effort. Don't decrease the goal this year, increase the effort. And be really honest with yourself about where the effort needs to be increased. It's always going to be based on increasing your skill set so that essentially you'll be able to serve more people at the highest level. And Julie did touch on something. It's really important mentioning, you know, drilling down on this. Real estate, your real estate license, doing this for a living is the greatest blessing that you have ever been given professionally speaking. There is no other business that I've ever come across that allows you the freedom to create your own destiny. Real, nobody is going to tell you how much money you can or can't make in real estate. Nobody's going to tell you essentially what to you know what your experience, what kind of houses you can sell, or condos or co-ops, or what part of the country you can you know sell real estate in. There's no limits to what you can do with this career. Versus, say for example, if you had a bakery or if you had any other kind of business, real estate is an amazing gift. Guys, here, look, think about this. If you wanted to start a business today selling coffee, let's say, what would you have to do? You'd have to buy coffee. You'd have to buy grinders. You'd have to da 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 Think of all the expenses you'd have, and then you hope to have some margin left over when you start selling your product that you can actually pay your personal bills. In other words, you had to front all that cash, and you had to buy the inventory to resale so you could make a margin on it. Every business basically works that way except real estate. In real estate, you can go out and list other people's – you can list you know, homes that don't cost you every a, a, a cent. You can go out and list a, you know, a three or four or 500000 or or 100000 or $10 million house today, and that house did not cost you a cent to list. I want you guys to think about that. There's no carrying cost other than menial marketing costs, relatively speaking. And when the property sells, you make a margin on it. You know, the, I, I know somebody who this month is making an $800,000 commission check. His total cost, aside from his time, to generate that commission check was zero. I mean, he had probably $5,000 in marketing, right, over the, you know, the 12 months while he was uh, getting this deal done. It was a big commercial uh, deal. But I want you to, again, consider the fact that this business is such a blessing. If you follow one course until it's successful, if you focus, if you don't allow yourself to go down all the rabbit holes that so many agents allow themselves to go down, where you start thinking, I have to build a team and do marketing, and I have to, all these things have their place in your business, maybe sometime eventually, but for a vast majority of you, your highest and best use of your time is going to be focused on becoming a powerful listing agent because that is the most profitable part of the business that requires the least overhead for you to do. So you can make the most profit, and with that profit, you can reinvest it where when you you know the goal being you being rich rich where your money works for you you no longer work for your money if you've not purchased our book go to um, Amazon it's called Harris rules and it's uh, you know our rules basically on how to become very successful in real estate there's a updated version of the book a revised version of the book that's coming out mid-year this year it's twice the size we had a lot more detail and a lot more rules but the point is is go get that book some of you are needing motivation it's available in audiobook as well go to Amazon Harris rules get the book if you guys need us for anything it's Tim at Tim and Julie or Julie at Tim and Julie have a fantastic day we'll talk to you on the show tomorrow This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. 
Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.